Good morning. Can everyone hear me? I love you. All right. I was not attempting to flee. Uh, as, as much as I prepared, I didn't memorize this whole thing. So uh, if you would turn with me to uh, Matthew 22, we're uh, going to continue our study in the book of Matthew, uh, the multi-year study, which is not a bad thing. Uh, Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. If you would pray with me. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, that we get to be here today. We thank you for your word, uh, that you've preserved it through generations and generations, and uh, that we get to study it and to know your will. So, Lord, we ask that you be with us today as we do. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, again, the Pharisees. They saw that the Sadducees had been silenced, uh, that, that Jesus had, had taken their test and turned it on its head. Uh, and so, uh, or not, the Sadducees had questioned and, and they had been turned on their, their head. And so the Pharisees figured out that it, it was their turn. So they sent the lawyer, which is one who is studied in the law of God, and they asked him, what is the great commandment of the law? They want to know. They didn't really want to know. They just want to test Jesus. Uh, so Jesus responded, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Uh, in Mark, it also uh, he also puts in strength. Um, and then he says the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So the question is, where did Jesus come up with this? Did he pull it out of his hat? Uh, I don't know if Jesus wore hats, but he did not. So we'll see where where did he come up with this? Why is it the greatest? Uh, if we knew our Old Testament like Jesus did, we should recognize those words uh, from Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, my wife mentioned before or yesterday that, that don't jump around so much on all these scriptures. And my response is, how can I go wrong if I'm reading the scriptures? So uh, I will jump around a little bit. Um, I may not read the whole passage because I've got sections up here and I'll hit some highlights. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, we hear, we, we see, uh, it's the, called the Shema. Uh, Israel or it, the Jewish people uh, would say it every morning. Uh, so let's see. lost my place. So God says to, to Israel, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping his statutes and commandments which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go, with, go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. These are the words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and, you sh- and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So as a, as a Jewish man, a Jewish child growing up, Jesus would have heard these words daily. Uh, they, they said them every day. And uh, so he's not pulling these commandments out of nowhere. He pulls them from the Old Testament, from how he grew up. He grew up studying the Old Testament, the Torah. Um, so why I say that is, it says you shall write them on your doorposts you sh- of your house and on your gates. Uh, the God, God tells us to, to, to keep them. Uh, further down it says you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. So, now for love your neighbor as yourself. Where did it come from? Well, Leviticus 19, starting in chapter, or starting in verse 9. Not starting in verse 9. Uh, at 17, it says, You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So Jesus says these great, the great commandment and the second one like it because that's what he knows. That's what he's grew up under. That's what he studies. That's what the law of God commands. So how does that apply to us? That's, that's the question. Are we under the law? Are we saved by the law? And, and what are the what are the extremes uh, of that 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 we can go to that we got to watch out for? So the first question: Are we under the law? Are we justified by it? Uh, answer is no. Short answer. So, uh, but we'll explain that. In Galatians, Paul uh, is writing and he says, "We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners." Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be fulfilled or to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So when we talk about being under the law, uh, to be under the law is to try to be saved by the law. And we know that is not correct. We know even... Uh, from from old that Abraham was justified by his faith. Uh, so, again, Galatians continued in chapter 3, by faith or by works of the law. Paul says, O you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, that you are now being perfected by the flesh? So when we heard the Word of God, and we turned to Him in repentance and faith, we continue on in repentance and faith, not through the law. So did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Did he, does He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham 
believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know that, the, know that it is those of faith who are sons of Adam. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, who are of faith are blessed among with Abraham, the man of faith. So, we see that Paul, he calls them foolish Galatians. He said, he said who's bewitched you? Uh, it is through faith. Uh, that you that you got your start, that you were born again, that you were following uh, with Christ, with each other. And he asks, who's bewitched you? What You think that just because you, you were born of faith, uh, that, that now you have to, to keep the law to continue in your salvation? He says, no. Even Abraham was justified by faith. Uh, also says that in the... In you shall all the nations be blessed. Which that was something he said to Abraham. So, and now look, look at these nations, because I'm not Jewish. I don't know if anyone here is Jewish, but uh, through Abraham we have been blessed. <clears throat> Further on in Galatians, uh, Paul says, "Cursed be anyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them." Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Uh, further on down, we'll see that um, we are not justified by the law, and if you attempt to do so, you are uh, uh, under all of it. So if you attempt to earn your salvation or be justified before God through the law by being a good person, as some people think, uh, you, you have to do all of it. And you have to, to not mess up. So, <laughs> I don't know if anyone... I know one person who did that, and his name was Jesus. So, so why the law, we ask. Uh, is the law contrary to the promises of God? Paul says, certainly not. Uh, for if the law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. So, the law is not contrary to God. The law is an expression of God's uh, righteous character. Uh, and, it, and it helps us. It helps us not only follow what God has said, but also it helps us see our own sinful nature. Um, so how are we to live? Not under the law, but do we follow it? Paul in Romans 8, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So it is through Christ uh, that the law can be fulfilled in us. So we walk according to the Spirit, but still, where does... So how does the law now apply? Uh, one thing we have to keep in mind is that we cannot change hearts through the application of the law of God, but only through the gospel. That is, is, is through um, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that we can have forgiveness of our sins. Uh, it's, it's not the application of the law that will save people. The law does show uh, our own sinful nature. I mean, it's pretty easy to just read through it and go, yeah, I messed up there, I messed up here, and here, and here. So it is through 
our faith in Christ that we are saved, not through the law. Uh, one thing to keep in mind in our application of the law is that we don't want to be like the Pharisees, right? Uh, the Pharisees used the law uh, to their own righteousness. They, they kept it uh, in the eyes of men to say that, look, we've done this, we are righteous. Um, and Jesus condemned them for it. Um, says, woe to you. Yeah, that they could think that they could earn um, their righteousness through the law. So, do we apply it? Do we follow it? Well, let's see what Jesus had to say about it. Matthew 5, verse 17. Uh, this is after Jesus tells us that we're the salt and the light. Uh, salt of the earth. Uh, what, but what if the salt has lost its taste? What good, what good is it? And also tells us that we're lights. What good is it to put it under a basket? Jesus said, Do not think God I have come to abolish the law or prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so, Christ didn't come to abolish the law, contrary to what some modern day preachers uh, have preached. Definitely not in this church, but uh, you see the stuff on the internet where Jesus broke the law or God has done away with the law. I don't know where they get that because right there it says, Jesus said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law. Uh, this is not an iota, not a dot will pass. Uh, when he says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom. We look at how their righteousness was. What was it? Uh, what did they, how did they try to attain their righteousness? Well, it was through the keeping of the law. Uh, so, if you think that we can keep the law well enough to earn righteousness. You'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and that's a common fault of everyday people. You ask them, are you going to go to heaven? And you say, yes. Yeah, I'm, 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 I believe in Jesus. Well, why? Well, I try to do pretty good and I, uh, I follow the Ten Commandments. Uh, be like the Pharisees. I don't know if anyone ties their mint and dill. Um, but... Our response to them is, no, you will not. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven uh, by your own righteousness. So, God has, God has written this law on the hearts of men. Uh, even in, in Jeremiah, when he, he promises the new covenant, uh, he says that for this, uh, for this is the new covenant, or this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Yeah, come Lord Jesus. Right. So, God has promised to write his law on our hearts. He also said that not an iota, not a dot will pass away. He said that he's not come to abolish it. So what do we do with it? Do we follow all of it? 
uh, I guess, what do we do with it? The answer, uh, it depends, right? The classic lawyer answer, it depends. Uh, Jesus was confronted by scribes and Pharisees. Uh, they asked him, why do you, uh, they, they, he didn't wash his hands before he ate. Now, that was one of the traditions that they had. Uh, and so they're like, why, why aren't you washing your hands? Uh, so he responded to them, why do you break the commandments of God for the sake of your tradition? Uh, he says, for God has commanded, honor your father and your mother. Whoever reviles mother or father must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of tradition, you have made void the word of God. Jesus is quoting the Old Testament. To honor your father and mother uh, is part of the law. Weird. In the New Testament, we, we've got Old Testament knowledge and verses and laws that are coming forth. Um, sorry. Paul wrote to Timothy. Uh, talks about being a good servant of Christ Jesus in Timothy chapter 4. Starting in verse 6. It says, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Being trained in the words of faith and in the good doctrine that you have followed. Having nothing to do with irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. No, I said that wrong. Irrelevant. Is that right? Irreverent. Irreverent. Yes, I can't say that word. Irreverent silly miss. Rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of the value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Uh, he talks about command and teach these things. And he says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. He says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will both save yourselves and your hearers. I mentioned earlier how, how Jesus uh, said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. He said, he said, These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Without neglecting the others. So they should have done all of them, uh, but not to earn their salvation. Of course, we just went over that. Uh, in the Great Commission... Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what are we to teach? Well, what are we to teach? Well, I would think, well, what did Jesus teach? He, he grew up under... He grew up learning about the law and how the law teaches us to love God and to love our neighbor. Uh, just because Jesus said, oh, love God and love your neighbor doesn't mean we throw out the law of God. Uh, loving God and loving neighbor is not an excuse to get rid of God's law. Uh, God's law shows us how we are to love God and love our neighbor. Uh, so like I said earlier, in the Old Testament, uh, there's a lot of laws. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of get into it a little bit later on uh, breaking down some of the distinctives uh, between a, the moral or natural law, some call it, the ceremonial, uh, the judicial or civil law. So there's a lot of, lot of law that's 
two-thirds of your Bible is the Old Testament. So why I say this is that the law is still good. The law is good if one uses it lawfully. Now, Paul says that. So let's look. The Old, Old Testament laws that are, are mentioned in the New Testament. In Luke 19, Zacchaeus, everybody knows Zacchaeus, climbed up the tree, see Jesus. Uh, I stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Where did Zacchaeus get the idea of restitution from? He was Jewish. He grew up under the Old Testament. Uh, in Corinthians, it says, For it is written in the law of Moses. This is the one that Josh likes, right? You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. For is it... <laughs> Is it for oxen that God is concerned? So Paul's using that uh, to say that, yes, you should pay your pastors. So. Right. Everybody thumbs up. Josh doesn't do this for free. We don't muzzle the ox when it treads out the grain. Uh, Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well, go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Old Testament. 1 Timothy 5, for the scripture says, again, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Paul must have really thought that was important, I guess. Uh, it says, the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Where did he get that? The Old Testament. You don't, um, you don't prosecute unless you have two or three independent witnesses. In James chapter 2, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying from, from the royal law. What was James's scripture? It was the Old Testament. They were in the middle of writing the New Testament right here. And he's still saying you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he's getting that from the Old Testament. It says, but if you show partiality, you're committing sin and you're convicted by the law as transgressors. Whoever keeps the law, so whoever attempts righteousness through the law, but fails in one point, has become guilty of it all. Again, not through the law uh, do we receive righteousness. In James chapter 4, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. For the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Says, but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge his neighbor? James is not saying that we don't confront people on their sin here. Uh, he's saying that it's not through the law that you are to judge their righteousness. Uh, Galatians 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Again, it goes back to loving your neighbor. Galatians 5, for you were called to freedom, brothers, not to use your freedom as an opportunity of the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, goes back to uh, what Jesus said, loving God and love your neighbor. So when you think about doing things, well, does, is this how I love God and love my neighbor? Does this law, either Old Testament law or, or modern day laws, is this law, does it promote loving God and loving your neighbor? 
So another question is, what about unbelievers? Are they subject to the law? Paul tells us in Romans, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when the Gentiles do... For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law unto themselves, even if they do not have the law. They show the work of the law is written on their hearts, with their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So God is saying here that it's evident Uh, that there is the law of God. The moral law of God continues. uh, Absolutely. We don't murder. We don't steal. um, It's And it's written uh, on the hearts of men, it says. Because we know. We look at other cultures, other people who don't know Christ. They would get upset if you stole from them. I mean, it's it's written on their hearts, and though they deny it... um, Paul talks about how they suppress the knowledge of God um, when they when it's evident. We look out at the sun and the stars and the grass and the trees and, and we see our families and friends and to reject and say that, no, that was an accident. This is all pointless and purposeless. That is the suppression of God's truth. Uh, so, yes, they are uh, under condemnation of God's moral law. But again, it is through grace uh, that we receive salvation. So the law reflects the character of God. Uh, God does not change. We know that. Uh, We can count on him to tell us what's right and what's wrong. And sin is lawlessness, it says. So not going to go really into depth on the distinctives in the law. Um, I think I've made the point clear that uh, righteousness is not earned through the law. So it's not a, a top-down approach. Uh, some think that, oh, we should we should enact these laws right now uh, and then just start doing them. Well, I agree that it would be good for society uh, to have the moral law of God in place. I mean, we see uh, not only how our own country was founded, um, it was under the law of God. So it is good if one uses it lawfully. Uh, so... The classic uh, question. I, I, I title this little part. It's called Distinctions in the Law. And then parentheses I put Sacrifices, Sweaters, and Shrimp. So if you don't know the joke, we'll, we'll get into it. So God, God's law. Um, it's important to remember uh, that the, the, the rules, rituals, and regulations, uh, can we can categorize them. But God sees them as this is his law. Uh, so we break them down uh, to help in our understanding. Uh, it's not like God said, this is a ceremonial law, this is a moral law, this is a law. But we can break them apart to, to understand them a little better. So what do I mean, moral, ceremonial, civil? Well, when we think of moral law, uh, it's, it's the law that addresses behavior and relationships between uh, God and men, and also as well as between man and man, or woman and woman. You get what I'm saying? Uh, so what do we think of when we think of the moral law? Well, we think of the Ten Commandments. God gave them to Moses uh, after the Israelites left Egypt. Um, 
Yeah. So, uh, so we see the character of God reflected in those laws. Those law, those moral laws. Uh, people also consider them uh, the natural law. So we, um, so like not murdering, uh, not lying, stealing. Those people can have written on their hearts by God. We know that they're wrong, not because God told us wrong, but because we're made in His image. Uh, so moral law definitely continues to this day. Uh, ceremonial law. So when you think of ceremonial law, that's kind of where the the sacrifices, the sweaters and shrimp come into play. Uh, Ceremonial law encompassed uh, any rules surrounding celebrations and regular rituals regarding the temple and worship. Uh, A lot of this comes from Leviticus, uh, also parts in Numbers and Deuteronomy. Leviticus covers ceremonial law, um, offerings, uh, priesthood, cleanliness, uncleanliness, the Day of Atonement rituals, how to handle blood... Uh, what to do with your wife sometimes during that. Uh, special feast, holidays, ceremonial law encompasses God's instructions of the tabernacle, um, and later the temple. As, and what was the purpose of ceremonial law? So we're not under ceremonial law now, just a heads up. Uh, ceremonial law was meant to show physical representations of God's holiness and the holiness he expects from his people. So... Why did we sacrifice lambs? Well, what does it point to? What did it point to? The ultimate sacrifice. Why do we no longer sacrifice lambs? Well, we had a perfect sacrifice, and now we do this in remembrance. Why can I wear... I I think this is a mixed fabric, guys. Why can I wear a mixed fabric? Well, it's because God had used that to to set apart His people. He set apart the Jewish people uh, from the other surrounding nations through, through this. Same thing with like the, the shrimp or shellfish. Uh, God had certain foods that you could and couldn't eat. Well, why? It's because he wanted to set apart his people from the surrounding nations. Um, now, the, the big question, which I won't get too far into, uh, could be a sermon for another day. Is, so we know that the moral law of God continues. Uh, it's written, uh, the natural law is written on the hearts of men. We see that even in just society, uh, though nowadays uh, the consciousness of a lot in society have been seared to the point where uh, they reject it. So, but what do we do with the civil law? So what is the civil law? Uh, Well, it's given in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Uh, These things are like property ownership, borders, marriage vows, cities of refuge, of suspected murderers, business transactions, and all other legal situations. So they use these to regulate uh, society and help them, those in positions of mediation to settle disputes, determine crimes, and and determine punishments. Uh, That doesn't include all the civil law that I just said, all that list, but what do we do with those? Do we only apply the ones that are mentioned in the New Testament? Uh, or do we apply them unless the New Testament says otherwise? That's the question. I'm of the mind uh, that the law of God, uh, and as far as civil laws, uh, do continue uh, unless the New Testament says otherwise. It's the ceremonial law um, was, I guess, Bonson says, put out of gear. Um, it met its fulfillment in Christ. So Caleb's over there smiling. He knows what I'm saying. 
the civil, the, the ceremonial law uh, met its fulfillment in Christ. We see that. That's why we have the Lord's Supper. That's why we don't sacrifice lambs. That's why we don't have Levitical priests. Um, but the civil law, uh, and God said, not an iota, not a dot. So my, uh, my belief and what I hold to is that the civil law uh, continues. Uh, the common phrase is the, the general uh, equity of the law. So one example would be in the Old Testament around the roof of their house. One of those civil laws is that they must put a parapet around the roof. Why? Well, it's because at night people would go up on their roof and cool off. Because it was cooler up there. But God gave them that civil law so that they wouldn't fall off the roof. So Talk about loving your neighbor, right? You don't want to have your neighbor up on your roof and then fall off. Um, modern day of that is we have fences around pools. And that's a good thing because we love our neighbors. We love our kids. We don't want someone wandering from the street uh, to just walk in and fall in the pool. Uh, so... Uh, that's a question that uh, you all you would have to study on an individual basis. My my assumption or my my belief is that God's civil law does apply, uh, and you can get into. Uh, some people say it doesn't, uh, unless specifically said in the New Testament. We went through all those passages where we read that there is a lot from the Old Testament that does apply. Um, also, what did Jesus believe? He believed in the Old Testament law. Um, so I think we should too. Not to say that if you don't believe in all of the Old Testament civil laws that you're uh, anathema or anything. But um, yeah, we should apply the law. The law is good. Jesus said so. Uh, so we continue in it. We don't earn our salvation through it. It is not the righteousness uh, that we inherit through the law. Um, but our righteousness is through Christ and what he has done. That is by grace, uh, through faith, or by grace, yeah, by grace, through faith, uh, that we are saved. But what do we do at that point? How do we love God and our neighbor? Well, God's given us a way to find out. He's given us his law. Stoney read Psalm 119, which is awesome. Uh, it talks about how meditate on God's law. Um, you want to know God's will for your life? Well, study his law. He's told us what to do. He's told us how to act. He's told us how to interact with each other. And ultimately, God's law tells us how to love him and to love our neighbor. Um, we see in our society the effects of a neutral position. Um, it's a society that says, no, we want to be neutral. We will not... Uh, we're not going to enforce these your Christian values on our society. Well, everyone has laws or moral laws. The question is, where do they come from? Do they come from uh, the people, as in dem uh, democracy says, uh, ruled by the people, or do they come from God? Who is the God of the system? Uh, our system has been of the people. The people are God in our system. Um, now, it hasn't always been that way. Um, we recognize that, that America was founded on Judeo-Christian values, uh, that our laws are a reflection of God's law. 
but to say that, that anyone is neutral is, is a lie. God tells us that, or Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. Uh, so, the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Our righteousness is not attained through the, uh, the adherence or the following of the law. It is through grace. Uh, but we don't throw the law away. God's law is good. Um, and I'll close with this. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you when at the rev- revelation of Christ Jesus. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You would bow your heads. So, Father, we thank you for your law. We thank you that it is good when we use it lawfully. God, we thank you that it is not through uh, our obedience to the law that we receive your grace. Uh, It is through uh, faith, a free gift uh, from you. So, Lord, we lift up uh, this congregation to you. Uh, We ask that we follow your law, that we study it uh, in in order to love you and to love our, our neighbors. In the name of Jesus, amen.